0: 32 nations have come together in Qatar as the FIFA World Cup kicked off. This is the first time the tournament has been held in the Middle East and Arab world. With the tournament in full swing, we've already had our fair share of World Cup memories to go down in folklore. Following Saudi Arabia's seismic result against Argentina, Japan kept the shocks coming by beating the 2014 winners, Germany. But even before a ball had been kicked, there are many reasons why the Qatar 2022 World Cup is unlike any other. It is the costliest World Cup to date. An estimated 220 billion has been spent on this tournament, 10 times more than the previous World Cup in Russia and 64 times more than the 3.5 billion South Africa invested in its World Cup in 2010. Qatar is also the smallest country to host the World Cup by land size and population. A population of 2.88 million covers just over 11 a half square kilometres, making it smaller than the whole of New York City. And only 144 kilometres separate two stadiums furthest from each other, Al-Bayt and Al-Wakra. This is Beyond the Headlines. I'm Gully Burrows and this week we're headed to the World Cup in Qatar to find out what it's like on the ground there and the impact it's had on the Middle Eastern region. Before we start, if you like Beyond the Headlines and want to get all the episodes as they come out, then just hit subscribe in your podcast app. So with me now are Sarah Forster and Nick Webster, who both work for the National and are out in Doha at the moment. So guys, what's your experience been like of the World Cup in its first week?
1: Yeah, I think it's been a very slow burn. But uh, I think as soon as the South Americans opened their game with uh, Argentina and Saudi Arabia. The tournament really caught fire i mean we were walking through the metro uh on monday morning and it was deserted there was nobody around it didn't feel like a world cup at all and we kind of had this idea that well what's it going to look like for the next week or so is it going to get momentum go, is it going to get better day by day and that's actually what's happened i mean no doubt the metro stations are a big win of this world cup as are the stadiums but uh the fans coming into doha and qatar slowly has really really got this tournament running i think and now it's a uh, it's ready to go, which some great results in the first week and the first few days, some great upsets, which always helps the tournament. It would be nice if Qatar could get a win, that would also get some momentum, I think, behind the hosts. Um, but yeah, it's, it's getting there, you know. We're in day, day five now, and it's uh, it's getting better day by day for sure.
2: We do know that there are a number of shuttle flights every day from the UAE. I know Fly Dubai alone have got 30 extra flights a day, uh, coming into the country, and they're not just bringing in fans, they're bringing in atmosphere and they're bringing in you know vibe and mood and and every single day uh Doha is becoming a bit more alive I think with uh you know the spirit of football.
0: Now Nick you you were in Russia 2018 is obviously that was the World Cup spread across a very large area do you think in some ways all of this tournament being essentially in one city with only about an hour between um the furthest two stadiums do you think that is, in a way, helping the the, fan, the atmosphere in, with the fans? Because they are all in exactly the same place. Whereas before, you might have two sets of fans in one city and then two sets of fans in another city that has a three-hour flight away.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Qatar is definitely a unique uh, World Cup. There's no doubt about that in so many ways. Uh, in Russia, you're flying to a city, St. Petersburg or Moscow, wherever the game is going to be and you would base yourself there for the day, and you'd be surrounded by fans who were also attending that match in that evening, and it'd be a real sort of carnival atmosphere. I think here, it's it's much more of a melting pot. I mean, like I said, there's so many stadiums within an hour of each other. I think all eight stadiums can be reached within an hour on the metro, and that creates a really different vibe around the whole city. Uh, There are fans going all over the place at different times of day, from different nationalities, all with their own songs, their own outfits, their own colours. And that is helping with the atmosphere, no doubt about it. And I think we, the South Americans in particular, we've seen them, like I said earlier, really sort of bring this colour and noise to the tournament. Mexicans are here in force. They are here in huge numbers, as are the Welsh. Um, it's their first World Cup in 64 years. So the Welsh are pretty unmistakable in their red shirts and their bucket hats. That's been another key feature of the World Cup, I think. And um, just seeing all these teams together that wouldn't necessarily play each other, coming together in the same city, has created this atmosphere and this camaraderie amongst fans Which the World Cup is famous for.
2: I did talk to uh, one gentleman who said that this has been an exhausting World Cup because before he said in Russia you had to take a train to the matches or an aeroplane and that gave you time to actually sit down and rest. Whereas here you don't have that kind of time. It's just go go go. You maybe get a little bit of time on the metro if you can get a seat to sit down. Um, But other than that, he said it's been been pretty exhausting.
0: And tell us about the metro, because it was a big part of sort of the advertisement that Qatar sort of put on itself by with this sort of free metro that goes all around the city. But we've seen some great videos on social media of sort of fans mingling, chanting, singing national anthems. And it looks kind of like quite a good place to be.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's correct. Um, I mean, going back to Russia, the underground stations in Russia are, are like museums. They really are. But the underground stations here, the metro stations here, they've been built from scratch. They're all very modern, very new. The lighting is is incredible. It, 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 they're fantastic uh, works of art in their own right. And to have fans meeting in these places to get to the stadiums or to the fan zones, it does create this kind of atmosphere. So like you say, I And mean, we've I mean, seen great videos of escalators full of Saudi Arabia fans or Moroccan fans or Tunisian fans. It feels like the Arab world has come together in these metro stations. And their songs you know, really do bring it all to life as well
0: and also the um the fifa fan parks which i think has a capacity of 40,000 in doha's west bay what's it been like down there
2: the first day on the day the opening ceremony it was it was pretty hectic there were thousands of people um out waiting outside for it to actually open lots of people just waiting outside what they thought was an entrance but actually wasn't uh, eventually we sort of all got funneled through a small gap in a fence which did kind of allow for some pushing and uh, some sort of uh, discomfort. But once you were in there, there was absolutely tons of space and it was it was a real festival feeling. There was a DJ, huge screens, loads of pavilions with things to do, food, drink, you know, all of that sort of thing. Um, I managed to get in earlier, but I know Nick did see a little bit of um, trouble outside just on that first day.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think uh, because I was so early on in the tournament, again, dealing with these huge crowds is a very new thing. the authorities in Qatar and they have drafted in security officers from all over the world Pakistan, Jordan, the UK, America to come and help with the crowds here and uh, we've seen those guys out in force but it's it's been well natured it's been good natured stuff they've dealt with things the right way I've been caught up in crowds before in World Cups and it's been a a definite undercurrent of menace there with uh, players with batons out pretty close by and not afraid to use them shall we say but here they've not had that at all really um that opening night at the fan festival um like i said there were huge crowds people arriving quite late to get into the fan festival with the opening ceremony and it was very hot there was no water there i think that was a big surprise for me that the facilities around these areas for fans is somewhat lacking you go to the stadium concourses for games there's nothing there there's no facilities really no toilets there's nowhere to get a drink so if you do get there early you kind of left your own devices until the game starts um, so, as good as the metro stations are and as good as organisations around these metro stations, I think they could have done more to provide some facilities for fans around these areas. Um, and that was kind of highlighted in that first night where we did see a little bit of pushing and shoving, people arriving late, trying to get into the opening ceremony where it's being screened on these huge screens at the fan festival. Uh, but it was, like I said, it was dealt with pretty well in the end, I think, and there was nothing too serious to report, thankfully.
0: And speaking of sort of fans facilities, I suppose one of the worries around the World Cup, particularly from people, you know, outside of Qatar looking in, was, was accommodation for all these fans. And um, I know, Sarah, you went to go and visit one of the sort of places where they've put up a load of temporary accommodation, porter cabins, you might call them, and you were there with some Mexican fans. What What are they actually like having been there?
2: So basically, these are um, a number of very colourful, basically shipping containers that have had two beds put in them, and there are there is each one has its own ensuite bathroom with a shower, a toilet, and a sink. So they very much serve the purpose that they're meant to. There's no there's no luxury expected. Um, you know, a lot of the fans that I've been talking to have said, "Well, they're just to sleep in, aren't they?" Uh, I know they all have an air conditioner in them running constantly. There's also a fan attached to the wall, I guess, in case you know that you know, anything breaks down. But the um, the complaints that I've been hearing have not been about the quality of the room. It's been about the organisation of the um, site in general. A number of people told me that they um, were offered basically an uncleaned room uh, because the housekeeping hadn't got round to cleaning the room after the last people left. So they said, you know, you can either wait a couple of hours or you can have an unclean room. Uh, two separate people told me, that uh, they were given keys to a cabin and they went open the door and there was someone already in there. So I think organisationally speaking, it also cute the queues at check-in. They have four or five separate desks for checking in and they're all, you know, fifteen people deep. So on that side of things, uh, I think maybe there could be some improvement. But with the actual quality of the cabins, no one seems to really have a problem. And then once the World Cup is finished, all of these uh, uh, porter cabins, you know, shipping containers. They are being donated by the Qatari government to refugee camps in countries such as Syria and Pakistan. So they will go to good use after after the tournament's over.
1: I think that's an important point as well about the quality of the accommodation. Um, I was in uh, Germany 2006 as a fan, travelling around, and we stayed in a, an aircraft hangar in Dortmund because it was temporary accommodation. You couldn't get a hotel, you couldn't get a bed and breakfast. So these kind of temporary accommodations—that's what the World Cup is about because you get to mingle with other fans from other nations. And it's a bunk bed. It's someone to sleep for the night. And then you get on the day the next day and you go to the match. Um, But I think, like like Sarah says, the main thing has been the organisation of this. You know, they knew these people were coming into the country. How they handle it, how they manage it has been a real challenge for for Qatar, I think. And they're they're dealing with it and they are getting better day by day.
0: It's only been just less than a week since the World Cup kicked off. But the biggest story, without a shadow of a doubt, was Saudi Arabia's incredible victory against Argentina, who are... considered widely as one of the, one of the favorites for the tournament, just what was it like being there? Not just for such an incredible result, but also an incredible result for, you know, a country, an Arab country within an, a world cup in the Arab world
2: the atmosphere outside the stadium before the game I thought was very humble you know all the Argentinians were you know going like well yes I think we'll win but you know whatever and then the Saudi Arabian fans were also saying they thought Argentina was going to win but they didn't seem to mind that they seemed to just be happy to be there and have a great day Um, but yeah after the game it was definitely a a different story
1: after the match we we were hanging around to try and see which way it was going to go and as soon as the final whistle went the roar that reverberated around this amazing Bersel Stadium just uh echoed and just, just made it quite clear who the winners were and then when the fans started pouring out onto the concourse the party really started I think that was really the moment where the touch paper was lit for this World Cup I think uh, the number of the Saudi Arabia fans that were there on the day they traveled either by car from places like demand eight hour drive or flew in for the morning from Jeddah it was uh, it was green and white for the afternoon I mean Argentina had this great World Cup history one of the best players in the world playing for them they were humbled by this neighboring country from Saudi Arabia which is which is what this World Cup needed, I think. It needed an Arab nation to really lay down a market and say, yeah, we're here, not just to make up the numbers, but to really challenge some of the big boys. And I think the fans really reveled in that. And uh, it was all good-natured. You know, the Argentinian fans were quite conciliatory in defeat, but uh, the Saudi fans were also, you know, quite joyous in their victory, but uh, it was all good-natured stuff. So it made for quite a nice atmosphere in the end, actually.
2: Well, certainly the atmosphere in the evening was pretty electric. Uh, Down at the Sucre one of the popular tourist hotspots, um, a lot of people are, you know, wondering um, whether there's an actual atmosphere here in Doha surrounding the World Cup. And that evening down at the Superbowl, it was people were shoulder to shoulder. There was it was so busy, and the 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 air was really electric because there were so many Saudi fans down there. Like you say, it was a sea of this dark green colour. Flags, shirts, everything, and um, again, as Nick said, it was all so good-natured. And spoke to a couple of Saudi fans the next day who had completely lost their voices from celebrating. Um, so yeah, it's there's definitely, definitely a good vibe after that game.
0: After celebration, see now my voice finish. <laughs> this moment i think will never happen again so we celebrate until uh, nine o'clock pm or 10 o'clock at night Mm -hmm. so but uh, this day i think will never happen again Mm -hmm. also this proud and uh, happy Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i hope inshallah we go to next level inshallah what so far has been the response of local qataris to the World Cup, not just the tournament itself, but sort of having this huge influx of, of people from abroad all coming to their, their country and their city?
1: I think, generally speaking, they're very proud to have the World Cup in their country and to show off their country to the world. And What I would say, one thing that's really struck me about people going to and from matches is that people tend to be getting to matches very late and leaving the games early, which is really unusual for a World Cup. I mean, we're not just talking tens or you know hundreds. Even, but occasionally, thousands of people are getting there late and early for these games. Uh, and inside the stadiums, our, our colleague John McCauley reporting on these matches live. said a lot of people are looking at their phones and not that engaged in the actual football itself. So the argument is there, I guess, are people actually interested in the football itself or are they just here for the atmosphere? Are they enjoying the whole carnival atmosphere of seeing the, the, the crowds with their flags and their chants walking through the street, that kind of thing? That's what they see the World Cup as being rather than sitting through 90 or 98 minutes, sometimes 100 minutes of, of sometimes a turgid nil-nil draw. You know, it's, are they that engaged in the actual sports itself? i think we're not quite sure about that yet. But generally speaking, the Qataris are very proud to, to have the World Cup in their country.
0: And between you, can you think of a personal highlight you've had of your uh, four days four days so far?
2: For me personally, I think the the atmosphere in the Sukhwakif, um on the night of the Saudi win is definitely going to be something that I'm going to remember for a long time. That was it. Wasn't just the Saudis as well that were happy. It was every every um, everyone from an Arab nation down there was happy. Was singing. Was everyone was friends. It was uh, yeah. That for me was will definitely stay in the memory.
1: Yeah, the re- reality of reporting from World Cup is obviously very different to what you'd expect it to be, and. Uh, it is still 35 degrees here and uh, we're out in the open air, middle of the day, there's not a lot of shade and we're trying to sense the office and it's it's, pretty, it's a pretty harsh environment. But th- there has been lots of highlights. I mean, just last night, for example, we can't escape the fact that there are hotels here selling alcohol and that is the traditional hotbed of where the games matches are discussed. And last night, for example, the Japanese fans, are mingling with German fans and Mexican fans and Welsh fans and the handful of Japanese fans that were in this hotel bar were treated like they'd actually played the game themselves. They were treated like heroes. You know, everyone was coming and shaking their hand, talking about the game. I don't think they understand kind of a word people were saying to them, but uh, they were certainly reveling in the you know, their, the chance to be in the spotlight and to be the stars of this World Cup so far, or one of the stars. Uh, so that win from Japan over Germany, I think, was uh, and the aftermath of it last night was also you know, really interesting to be a part of that.
0: Thanks this week to Sarah Forster and Nick Webster in Doha. We were produced this week by Arthur Edison and Thomas Smith. I'm Gully Burrows, and this was Beyond the Headlines. To get all the episodes as soon as they air, why not hit subscribe in your podcast app? And if you can leave us a review while you're there, it'll make all the difference.